I mean, a lot of society has shut down and we have so much time and all of a sudden you're not rushing from thing to thing to thing. And so you, relationships just become such a central part of that. Your life, your journey starts now. Welcome back to the Journey Podcast where we care deeply about real and authentic relationships. Today we have back with us Sarah. Um, she is going to do part two of her journey to Ethiopia. Hello, everyone. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome, Jeff. So I wanted to start out because we got her to Ethiopia, and now we got to get her back, but there's just a little bit of time in between. So she touched on it briefly last time about her experience there and what was good on it and like what she learned. And you know, I guess like she said, she had a good and relaxing time. And I just wanted to hear a little bit more about how she viewed that as relaxing and calm, considering that the world that we're in. Wow, that's a good question. Um, it was actually hard to do that. In fact, based off of what was happening, um, things really hit a peak on St. Patrick's Day um, for Lynn County, Iowa, um, where we're from. And so that Tuesday, St. Patrick's Day, um, March 17th, was a day right in the middle of our trip that I had actually set aside to rest um, so that I'd have the energy to, you know, keep going the rest of the trip and have a really good time, especially since I deal with anxiety. I know that eating good food and resting really helps me. So that was a day that I had set aside to rest, which meant I didn't plan anything. And we were just going to, the girls and I, Koki planned stuff, but Abigail, Abigail and Rebecca and I were just going to stay in the, in the hotel room and just chill out. And that was when um, my sister sent a message. We have a group chat for the family. And my sister sent us a message with a link to a local person who said that they had um, COVID-19. And she didn't realize that I had a connection to that person. And that was like, yeah. So we, Ethiopia is about eight or nine hours ahead of, of Iowa. So it was really early in the morning for them. And it was like early, like mid morning for us in Ethiopia or like right, maybe around noon or something. Um, when my sister like put that out there cause she had seen it like when she woke up and was getting ready for work and everything. And she, and she's like, oh my gosh, well it's here now. Cause it was the first case in Lynn County. Like it was a Johnson County case, but they had been in Lynn County and I had a connection to them. And so, um, through a work, through a work situation. And that is when, so I was in Ethiopia while it hit Lynn County that like this person had been throughout Lynn County. It was the first person that everyone knew. It hit the news. Um, and so I will say that it was a hard day and I was really thankful that I had set that day aside where I didn't have a lot of other stuff going on. And then um, Wednesday, we had a plan. We went to Unity Park in Addis Ababa. And so we had planned that whole day out where we were with um, family that whole day and friends. And so I, I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on in the United States because I was just so busy. And then Thursday was when I like checked in to see what was going on. And Thursday was a very hard, very hard day because um, Iowa was absolutely in the throes mm -hmm. of it. And everyone was freaking out and it just looked crazy from the outside. Did it feel like 
it was almost hard to grasp because you were in Ethiopia and not in Iowa, but yeah. it's happening in Iowa. Did it still feel like very real, even though you were in Ethiopia? It, it felt very real, but that it felt like I was in a safe bubble and all of you guys were hurting. Mm-hmm. Well, and Sarah, when you were talking about that Tuesday, I was just thinking back to that day. You know, you said that was a hard day for you that mm-hmm. Tuesday. And, uh, and if you remember that day, we were actually, uh, recording some podcasts mm-hmm. at yeah, Sarah's office. Yeah. yeah. At Sarah's office. And I remember walking into the break room and, uh, you know, there's some, uh, I don't know, just something about the break room and, uh, usually Sarah's there and she wasn't there. And it's not mm-hmm. only she's not there, but she's in Ethiopia and I just felt, oh my gosh, she's just so far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, as we're recording, literally as we are recording the podcasts, the governor uh, has a press conference, if you remember that, and mm-hmm. is shutting down like restaurants. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because restaurants shut down at noon that day. That mm-hmm. At noon that day. And this is like, you know, 10, 11 o'clock, and we're recording these podcasts. And it's one of those times you just remember, like, oh, you know, not only is all this going on, but my daughter is not like that far away. She's like mm-hmm. <laughs> halfway across the but world. Now, now, here's the thing is you asked, how did I feel? Here's the interesting thing is because Ethiopia is eight or nine hours ahead of Iowa, and I was already in the middle of my day when that happened, I had, a, and because we're, I work in marketing, you and I, Annie, work in mm-hmm. marketing, we watch, marketing is about communication. And I quite literally watched this explosion happen like in real time. And so it was not so much about what was happening with me because I really felt safe. Mm-hmm. It was watching what's happening with you guys. And so, well, yeah, my dad was worried about me, but the thing is, is you guys were the ones that I was concerned about because it was almost like I was stepping back and just watching this tidal wave mm-hmm. come. And it was just... I remember you crazy. saying something like... <laughs> I I don't remember your exact words, but they were to this effect of, I almost feel like safer where I'm at, like here in Ethiopia. And like that, that kind of took me by surprise other than I rationalize it in my mind while I know like you love Ethiopia and that's like home to you. But beyond that, I was like, why would you feel that way? Do you want to expound about? Oh yeah. So that's just exactly what I was saying. You guys were in the middle of something that I was not there and I was watching it from overseas. Mm -hmm. And so while people typically think that like Africa is like a dangerous place and like full of poverty and everything and um, malaria and, you know, all this stuff, um, wars and everything like that. The thing is, is Ethiopia is very safe, especially right now. And they, at that point did not, they had like two or three cases in the entire country the first case when we left Iowa, they had no cases. The first case was the day that we landed. It was not us. Mm -hmm. It was the day that we landed. And, um, so I truly, not just because I love Ethiopia, it, it was actually safer at that moment for us to be in Ethiopia than it was for us to be in Cedar Rapids. 
in fact, that the fact that like people were, some people were upset that we had left. Had I stayed, I would, I won't say, I won't say, but had I stayed, we would have, I personally would have been exposed twice. Had I stayed in Cedar Rapids mm -hmm. um, through people. Oh, that's right. Had, yeah, you would have, yeah. right? Because yeah, that person that had it, there was a potential business and no, yeah the, the only reason i didn't i wasn't didn't have an issue was because and there's someone else like through family and friends like that tested positive for covid that um that had had i stayed in cedar rapids i personally would have been exposed twice and would have been quarantined anyway mm -hmm. whereas the fact that we were flying and we were being extra cautious we didn't know if we were exposed you know like in going to ethiopia i didn't know while i was in ethiopia there was no cases like the three cases that they had at that point they caught them right away and they had secluded those people so i really did feel safer walking around ethiopia than you watching you guys you guys were in a more dangerous i mean Honestly, you guys were, you were at a much greater risk of getting sick than I was. So did that make it hard then for you to come home? Cause you came Absolutely. Home. I did not want to come home. I did not Earlier. want to come home. And there was this wait. So, um, when my daughter, um, when my youngest daughter, Rebecca was an infant, um, uh, she had my second youngest daughter, um, gave her a drink of, um, vinegar it was just like this freak accident. Um, she thought she was giving her baby sister a drink. Well, her baby sister was only like two months old and can't like, she's mm -hmm. like, you know, breastfeeding, bottle feeding at that point. So she's not drinking from a cup and she thought it was water and it was vinegar. And, um, cause it was in this little container. And as a result, uh, my, my infant daughter, who's now 11, right? 12. She's now no, 11. She's now 11. Um, when she was like two months old, she ended up inhaling that vinegar um, because she didn't, couldn't drink from a cup. So she ended up inhaling the vinegar. Um, I caught it right away. And, but what ended up happening is she like barfed up this vinegar and then we did a chest x-ray mm -hmm. and, you know, I took her right away to, we actually called the ambulance and they came and they said she was fine but to go take her to the urgent care. So we took her to the urgent care. They did a chest x-ray on her and everything. Um, but she's had um, pneumonia. She's had walking pneumonia. And so I wonder, they've never said this, but I wonder if that like vinegar, the little bit of vinegar that got into mm -hmm. her lungs um, when she was like two months old, if that like did anything to her lungs, mm -hmm. um, they didn't see anything on the chest x-ray or anything, but she's had pneumonia like two or three times and so that's who we were worried about is my 11 year old daughter who was with me in ethiopia that it's like well if she gets sick will like does she have something wrong with her lungs mm -hmm. you know if she gets sick will this really affect her and that was this that was the only thing that really made us want to return was the fact that yes i feel like we i we really were at a lower risk of actually getting COVID 19 in ethiopia but if we did get it, we wouldn't have as much access to the medical mm -hmm. things that she would need, which is why we came. I mean, and I have more family here and stuff. It was like, we're, we're at a less risk of getting sick in Ethiopia, mm -hmm. but 
if we do get sick there, the medical is not where it is in the United States. So. Did you feel like robbed a little bit of your experience since you came back earlier? No, we actually didn't come back earlier. We came back on time. Okay. We actually landed in, um, we were supposed to land in Chicago. Our flights got rescheduled and stuff and rebooked, but we ended up, the new flights, we ended up landing, um, we were supposed to land like two hours later than originally planned in Chicago, um, which is crazy that it was like that close, but then they kept canceling flights because that not that many people were flying. So then all the people, all of the flights, um, they only did one flight out of DC to Chicago. So we ended up landing around seven or 8 PM the day that we were going to land around noon. So, um, we left Ethiopia an hour later than we otherwise would have. Okay. So I don't feel like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, like anything was taken from us. Um, I feel like I got a gift. I got a heads up that you guys did not get. Mm -hmm. I got a heads up that we have, um, I got it. Everything shut down while we were in Ethiopia um, over here in the United States. And I was still, I, I didn't have to quarantine myself as quickly as you guys did. Mm-hmm. And so I don't see it as, I don't see it as um, a negative. I actually see it as a positive. Like, like I mentioned in the first podcast, you you knew Annie, how stressed I was. Like I mm-hmm. was burnt out. I mean, even back mm-hmm. in November and December, I was like, Annie, I need to take a break. Like I need to take a break. And so now we're looking at the middle of March and it's like, I saw it as God gave me this blessing. He gave me this trip where we were protected. Mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert. I was with family and friends. I got this protection. You guys hit, hit you guys hard and it did not hit us hard. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a matter of making that choice to come back. And really the choice was made for us. I did. I was totally fine. I had brought my work laptop. My daughter had bought brought her school laptop. I was totally fine. If they like completely shut down travel, I was going to be like, okay. Um, I prepared that if we spent months in Ethiopia, then that would be the case. I mean, we would just do it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just took it one day at a time. Like my parents were like, our original flights got rebooked for five days later. And then my parents paid extra for them to rebook the, the original schedule to get back Mm -hmm. on the original schedule. So we were actually in Ethiopia for 10 days. And, um, so they, they're still flying, so we wouldn't have gotten stuck. They're still flying in and out of the United mm-hmm. States. They did shut down travel to, like, Switzerland and other European countries and stuff, though. One of the things I thought was so cool about this, and, again, personally, this is really, really uh, hard on me because maybe I'm too much of the, uh, the daddy bear, you know. It's like the little cub is way, way gone, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but what was interesting, though, is to – see Sarah and her husband, Matt, uh, just their relationship, how they work out of their strengths. And Matt is just so supportive. So, you know, Sarah's had this heart for Ethiopia for, well, really since she was just a young girl. And you've been over there how many times now? Like five? Yeah, that was my fifth trip. Fifth trip. And in this, to just watch Matt, uh, just the supportiveness uh just you know he's real cool about it he was just 
uh, you know, encouraging her and uh, to a level that I, I you know, I, I tried to sort of step back. I tried to offer some advice and some help where I could, but I think I would have been, you know, just get back here now, you know, just come on. And, and he was just, again, amazingly level, amazingly calm under stress, amazingly just, uh, and that's, I think, one of his strengths is just, uh, you know, that uh, well, organized next step kind of guy. Yeah, he's an engineer and he's very practical. I think it also helps that he's been to Ethiopia before. Right. And so right. to us, it would almost be like if we had a cabin in the woods somewhere. And that's kind of the way I felt is I had a cabin in the woods full of friends and family. And you guys back, you honestly, you guys back in Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, Iowa, the United States, mm -hmm. you guys were the ones that were really hurting. And right. so like the, you know, the, the, I was watching you guys have problems back here. And which, which again is counterintuitive, right? Because we think, and we mentioned this on the first podcast, we think, oh my, Ethiopia, you know, that would be just a tough hurting place to be. And up to now, Ethiopia has been, seems like pretty good in terms of, you know, number of cases and so forth. We're the ones that are hurting. Uh, they are just naturally built around community and helping each other out and, uh, it's really been interesting just from the perspective of you going over there, coming back of just how sort of the shoes on the other foot almost kind of thing. I uh, actually would, I was talking to my family. Cause like I said, we have that group chat. I honestly would have preferred my entire family to get on a plane and come back, go come to Ethiopia. <laughs> and the reason that that is not a possibility is because my son did not have a visa that allowed him to do that. Um, but that actually would have been, in fact, I, do you remember me talking about that in the, mm -hmm. in the group chat too, of saying, we need to, you guys need, I really, if I had, if I lived in a perfect world, um, my boys, my husband, my parents, my siblings and their families would have gotten on a plane and they would have come to Ethiopia and we would have all just gone into the country. Cause I want to live in the, in the countryside mm -hmm. in Ethiopia. So it's not scary to me. And we would have like gone and just waited out the worldwide COVID-19 situation in the countryside in Ethiopia, where we would be able to like have coffee and spend time with mm -hmm. people and yeah, do your social, do safe social distancing, but you know, let the rest of the world like freak out. We're just going to stay in our safe little bubble over here. Cause I think that's one thing I even noticed, like just from your pictures, but you know, looking like at it from afar, but it seemed like you were so relaxed, so calm, like had time to like connect with other people while we're in the midst of chaos, you guys, That's I don't exactly. even remember what you guys called it, but like tea and like your coffee and like, I want to call Injera. it. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, and it looks so calm and relaxing. Like, I think I want to be there, not here. That's exactly, Annie, that is exactly it. And that, that wasn't, that wasn't just social media. That's actually the way it was. We were actually calm. What was not calming was watching the United States mm -hmm. and the United States and the Europe was freaking Ethiopia out. Now, granted, that actually ended up being a good thing because what ended up happening is that Ethiopia started putting in protections into place that Europe mm -hmm. and the United States put in at late in the game late, yeah. because Europe and the United States were absolutely going crazy. Ethiopia started doing that 
lickety split. So even before we left, they had hand washing stations outside of places. They already shut down schools. They shut down schools. So we landed on a Thursday. That was the, the Thursday, the 13th. Yeah. I think the 13th was their first case, even though they had kept flying back and forth with China, um, to and from China. Um, the 13th was their first case. By Sunday, they had two or three, I think. They, they shut down schools on Sunday. Like on Sunday, they made the decision that Monday, they're not going back to school. So their first case was on Thursday. They shut down schools and no child went to school on Monday. College, college and um, public and private element, like secondary schooling, shut oh. it down. Paid their teachers. <laughs> All the teachers are still paid. Kids aren't going to school. They shut down um, like uh, music facilities and stuff within. So they started taking hand washing stations outside. Um, they had the news on everywhere where the president of the United States was like talking. Um, those we got to see live. And Ethiopia started putting in protections into place right away. Wow. I'm always amazed too at how, you know, like we live in such a big world, but it's so small. Like when you view how other cultures you know, do their relationships and what's important to them. And then you also see they do it, some things differently, but we all still have the same basic needs. Like we all want to feel loved. We only want to be cared for. We want to be understood. And Ethiopia or the United States, or, you know, like when we lived in Mexico, it was kind of the same thing. Like we all have the same needs and it just, it's always amazed me and amused me to see how other people or other cultures do it differently. And I think some, a lot of times we have something to learn from other cultures. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, I look at Ethiopia and I see this like relaxed nature and I sometimes feel like that's the antithesis of what we are here. And so sometimes it appears, I mean, I've never been to Ethiopia, but it appears that the relationships are like stronger and more connected because of the time that they're taking to focus on those things. And that's exactly it. And I will tell you that I'm very, I think I mentioned this before, I'm very thankful. I don't know if I would, I am very thankful for my relationships in Ethiopia, for my experience with the Ethiopia, for my understanding of the culture, because their culture is built on sharing and on relationships, not on business. And we look down on them for that. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to tell you, and I said this when I was in Ethiopia and we were talking with our friends and family, I said, honestly, it might get to the day when things flip. And we're needing help from you guys, not only help in aid, but help in the fact that we need to learn from you mm -hmm. on how much relationships matter. Because right now we're doing that, the whole like toilet paper situation. There's groups where people are like, where have you seen this? And other people are stepping forward mm -hmm. and saying, hey, I've got extra toilet paper. Come over and, you know, give, and I'll give you some um, uh, sharing food. Mm -hmm. that stuff is some of that stuff that's so unusual for us is not that unusual mm -hmm. over there. And I think we have something to learn. And that was a really neat opportunity to be in Ethiopia and have those, that conversation with family and friends there and say, you, because how it's an aid mentality. Like if you're on, honestly always getting aid and you think that you're like looked down upon in society, well, what if it comes to the day when what they have to offer is so val valued and valuable that we're like, hey, Ethiopia, hey, Africa, how do we solve our, how do we solve this problem? Because we're stuck. Like, mm -hmm. we're, st like, our 
our businesses are really struggling, but yet we still need to survive. So what do we do? And places like Ethiopia, like come forward and say, this is how we've done it for ages mm-hmm. and we've survived. I think even too, like realizing, you know, taking the time to do, to have those real life connections too, and not rush through them mm-hmm. and being intentional with how we do them. I mean, I think we've done that a little bit here where like, I've never had a zoom call with my friends in my life before, but we've started to do things like that. Or like, honestly, you know, it makes me realize things that I should be doing, but calling my siblings more often than I do, or, you know, even providing like video chats for my kids so that they can uh, keep up with their relations and connections. And I think like that's encouraging us. I don't want to say forcing us, encouraging us to look at the way we communicate with others differently, because that's what our, like our hearts long for is we long for that connection. It's just sometimes we bury it underneath task until our hearts are crying out like, Hey, something's missing. Like we want to connect. I I talked to a guy that, uh, I had coffee with him like a month and a half ago, but talked to him today. And again, it was like an hour and a half conversation and it was just really uh, sweet. And I think the sweetness came because it's not just easy. We just, you know, it's not just easy to, uh, meet somebody at a coffee shop or whatever. And so, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Just after I got done with that, and we were just had a real open, honest conversation uh, and about some, you know, just real challenging uh, things. And, you know, I I walked out of that going, oh, yeah, this is kind of what Sarah talks about. This is what she's talked about over the years. It's like, oh, yeah, interesting. Well, because everything stops. So what do you do? Like Mm -hmm. you, you know, you get to sit, you're not running from appointment to appointment. I mean, we are honestly, I mean, at Bandwitz Marketing, um, Annie and I who work there, um, like we, we just have a lot of work to do right now. Had to get a little pitch in there for it, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) No, but. (laughs) Scroller thing comes up on the screen. www.bandwitzmarketing for all your marketing needs during a crisis. (laughs) Well, um, but, but I mean, a lot of society has shut down and we have so much time and all of a sudden you're not rushing from thing to thing to thing. And so you, relationships just become such a central part of that. Think of the relationships with the kids mm-hmm. and your family. I have not... I have a house full of teenagers. Teenagers do not stay at home. My kids are stuck at home with me right now. I'm spending time with them now like they were preschoolers. Mm-hmm. And, and the uh, <laughs> patience required of all for that to uh, go well and the learning and uh, again, more patience. So that may be a, a podcast for another day, right? So even one thing I realized with ki- like having the kids home more is, um, like even when I get busy, like really busy and I don't have like a lot of time, I miss that time actually playing with them. Like I see them as little individuals at that time. And I'm like, oh, I miss, you know, like this about my eight-year-old or this about my nine-year-old. Like I miss their personalities and seeing like how they interact and do things. And I miss that quality time. And I guess like being in and out of it, in and out of it, I see that. Well, and we probably should wrap up and let you go so you can get back to the uh, yes, yeah. the kids. But so, I mean, 
to the, that end too, it's like, what's neat too is I've, because Annie and I work together and these, our children like jump in on, well, not mine because they are teenagers, but like Annie's kids like jump in on the Zoom calls and stuff. And it's like, now we had this happen in a sales call. Like I had to pause it so that I could deal with something with my kids. That was not appropriate a month and a half ago, but mm-hmm. now it's like customary that that's going to happen. And so what's really cool is I get it. I've spent more time talking to Annie's kids in the last <laughs> three weeks and i and the love funny it thing is they, they i love it they <laughs> love sarah they even asked me my youngest asked me today are you gonna have a call with sarah today because i want to say hi <laughs> so let me know if it's sarah because i want to say hi she doesn't really care about the other ones but she wants to talk to sarah but <laughs> i love it i love it and it's just, that's what relationships are all about i love that my husband's here and yes he has his meetings but i can walk in and ask him a question mm-hmm. <laughs> well thank you sarah for sharing your story with us um we've really enjoyed hearing part one and part two and how you navigated through what is a major crisis and so cal- major crisis and so calmly And we want to tell our listeners out there, you know, if you have an interesting story that you'd like to share with us, um, please get a hold of us. Um, We can be contacted at journeycoaching.org or on our Facebook. And Journey Coaching is all about real people, real relationships, um, and growth centered um, in those relationships, something that we want to encourage you to do, um, to get a hold of somebody that is close to you and get talking get involved and start growing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time and make sure you like and subscribe. Visit us at journeycoaching.org and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Start your own journey at journeycoaching.org. Your journey starts now.